0: listening to the Business Chief Podcast. On this week's episode, we talk to Callum Laird, Supply Chain Transition Manager at McAlpine Hussman. We cover topics such as change management, AI and automation, as well as digital transformation.
1: Right. uh, We should probably actually get started. I should do the thing I'm being paid to do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Cool. Cool. So, um, yeah, no. So today, uh, I thought we could have a little kind of uh, chat about yourself and uh about kind of uh, McAlpine Hussman and the services that that's providing and the sort of specific role which you've been brought in to fulfill um Absolutely. wonderful so i was wondering if you could start off by telling uh, our readers um or watchers if this gets cut into a little video segment a little bit about yourself uh, your career so far and kind of what uh yeah helped kind of prepare you and bring you to your current role
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I started out, uh, I guess, in supply chain kind of by accident through a a high school part-time job at a department store. I started out uh, getting into the back end of things, all of the inventory management in the the basement, all the stock control, uh, and a lot of purchasing and procurement um, through the absence of my, at the time, manager who um, found himself in hospital for a couple of months and nobody to take over. So Right. um at 18 years old i went to the you know managing director and said well i'll stick my hand up and know how the computer system works and i've got you know a friendly relationship with all the sales reps so i reckon i can do this they gave me the reins and off things went so i kind of enjoyed that i was i was with um i was with that store for probably around five years mm-hmm. uh, and then found myself in fmcg with uh, new zealand organization and supermarket chain operator Mm -hmm. I spent probably about uh, 18 months with them, um, part of their management development program and did a a various assortment of rotations through running different departments within a supermarket um, and just looking at all of the different ways that things operated and from there went into a um, beverage distribution company so wine beer spirits mm-hmm. um a lot of fabulous product out of the uk green king um hen's tooth and yeah, and
1: yeah. Some- I'm, uh, i used to live in uh, well basically itself and i used to be based in norwich so yeah now we've had we got a lot of green king out there
0: right yeah so yeah they're still in fact that company's still the the new zealand agent for a lot of those green king and, and similar beers out of the united kingdom along with uh a large number of spirits brands and, and a lot of wine from all over the globe and I was uh, operating in a customer service and purchasing capacity with that business mm-hmm. for five and a half years, customer of 3 PL and freight forwarding company providers, um, so a lot of um, interaction from a customer's perspective with those sorts of businesses. Uh, I spent seven months uh, in Brazil, my, okay. my wife's in Brazil um and we first met high school 20 years ago uh, nearly 21 years ago and um congratulations I spent seven months over there with her and her family her friends her country her culture um and it was absolutely experience of a lifetime um uh it's it's the gap in my CV that I like talking about when um why I have seven months of inactivity um so yeah, that was that was a thoroughly enjoyable experience. Uh, and
1: how's your Portuguese?
0: Uh, it's basic, very basic. Um, you know, simple conversation, relatively simple words. Nothing too complex, or I start to get confused and lost quickly. But um, it also depends who I'm talking to. Uh, if I'm around certain people, the um, conversation speeds up to a level I just couldn't follow. Even even fluent i don't think i could follow it in fact (laughs) family members say i don't have anything to figure out when those two are talking i can't understand them (laughs) um yeah it's not bad it's not bad but um i've got a lot more to learn for sure okay Okay.
1: very nice um sorry and then after that after um,
0: we we moved back to new zealand um beginning of 2014 and i took up uh, warehousing and distribution management for uh hilti in new zealand Mm -hmm. Um, most famous for their bright red power toolcases um but some of the i guess the the background of their business is really in um a lot of chemical anchoring and fastening systems that um, within industry is probably their most um well-known product and most trusted product um uh, but to a lot of the public or the or the general population that are aware of the business, um they just see the bright red toolcases on building sites and and start recognizing it that way. Um, okay. And during the course of my time at Hilti, there was um, a lot of space constraints in the warehouse when I arrived. Uh, mm-hmm. That that got because uh, it was a self-managed warehouse at the time. And some discussions started needing to happen about, you know, the the way forward. So one of the things that needed to happen was to figure out what the best way forward was in terms of space because um, moving premises is very expensive. Um, the physical move uh, and also when, uh, when you go into a bigger premises, it's considerably empty when you arrive and it takes quite some time to actually fill it up and mm-hmm with the aggressive growth plans that the company had at the time uh, and succeeded with um, in many cases, they just didn't have the facility to try and move every five years. Uh, It could be a million dollars every time you move a building just in associated costs. Um, Move into a building that you're paying for the entire thing from day one, but it might take you five years to actually fill it. So we went through a full... uh, third-party logistics provider tender and process of um selecting a warehousing services provider that Mm -hmm. ended up being Roller logistics uh i I won't try and pronounce it officially and and properly in german because quite frankly i can't and it also does sound a little (laughs) bit strange um (laughs) uh, and um they they won the contract um or the tender for that business for that 3pl Mm -hmm. business And within about three months, um, they had made me an offer to go and work for them. um, Their contract logistics um, manager in in New Zealand. And so I accepted that challenge because I was very interested, got on very well with the um, company representatives that I was working with at the time. And -hmm. there was a lot of future growth potential there. Um, You know, they they started out... uh, I joined their business around October of 2015 mm-hmm. uh, and I only finished up with them September, October last year so it was a good four and a half years with, with their business and I watched that grow from a 1300 square metre uh, contract logistics facility um, with three customers in it to a mm-hmm. brand new purpose built six and a half thousand square meter building with sixteen customers, a retrofitted cool store, a dangerous goods bunker. Um so I would say that the the business volume and contract logistics within that company over my tenure there was probably uh it would have at least tripled um wow. in the contract logistics space over four and a half years. So yeah. exponential growth um and quite frankly welcomed. Um yeah, you yeah, know there yeah. were, there's always some growing pains when you're going through something that happens that quickly, but um, it was a fantastic experience to have been able to amalgamate a freight forwarding facility and a dedicated contract logistics facility into one great big brand new purpose-built um, warehouse.
1: And, and like, what a learning opportunity as well, like
0: absolutely, like uh, and a huge learning opportunity for me in terms of um, my ongoing careers um to be on the other side of the fence as a service provider rather than being the customer of one um that i think was probably one of the greatest assets um that i could bring to their business as well as one of the greatest assets that that brought to me in my career and my personal development is that i could say to our customers i've spent my entire career on your side of the fence i know exactly how you're feeling i know what you're going through and um i could be be the customer for a moment and empathize with people and i think that really helped develop some quite strong and and lasting relationships there's a lot of customers um of theirs that did become good friends that a couple that i still you know regularly contact or keep in touch with um so yeah it was it was a truly enjoyable experience a great four and a half years worth of time and um my, my wife and I uh, had our first child in the middle of December last year. Oh, congratulations. Um, thank you. And that's, you know, I don't know. Have you got kids? No, no. <laughs> right, well, you know, if you decide to um, go down that track at any stage, it's, it's also a very deep learning curve. The pregnancy wasn't perfect. Um, you know, my, my wife had a lot of challenges and towards the the end, um there were a few things that were simply um too much for me to watch happen. Uh you know, I really I really needed to make sure that I could look after her um and subsequently so yeah. after baby. So I I made the tough call and I, I had to end that tenure and that chapter mm-hmm. of my life and career, um, go be dad and um and supportive husband and then earlier this year I you know we'd we'd gotten through that patch. We have a new baby, she's going well, she's happy and healthy, and um that's when I got introduced to McAlpine Hussman and here I am. Hell yeah. Well hey good for you man. Like, fantastic. Um, yeah so
1: let's start off with a little bit of an outline of the role which you've been brought into McAlpine husman to fulfil and then maybe kind of uh, reflecting on some of the kind of duties and uh, things inherent to that role, maybe a quick reflection on some of the lessons you've learned kind of through your past career that we've already touched on and how that's kind of helping you fulfill that role. I know you talked about empathizing with the customer. I think that's fantastic. Like,
0: yeah, kind of a... Yeah, it's a bit of a reverse flip now in a way, and I think, um, you know, the role I've been brought in to do is uh, it's supply chain transition. Um, okay. and there's there's a few things happening in that, one is uh, there are some space constraints in business within the warehouse, um, mm-hmm. and a part of that is a bit of um, disconnected communication um, around how the warehouse needs to operate, up until recently there probably hasn't been a, a dedicated and centralized uh, supply chain focus and that was identified right. as a need in the business I think late last year. Um, which is why they were looking for somebody prior to me joining the business. And those space constraints are a physical attribute. They need to be dealt with, but there's also a massive software implementation coming up the back of this. Um, SAP from an MRP, ERP, and WMS perspective, all with approximately the same go-live date. So we're looking at a a three-part software implementation. Oh, cool. So and
1: less less sleep than when your child was born.
0: Potentially, right? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's always interesting. Um, I think having used probably three or four different versions of SAP in previous roles um, mm-hmm. gives me a bit of a broad spectrum view of how the software works. I understand the logic behind it, and that's um, certainly a part of the reason why I'm I'm in this role is because of some level of familiarity with that software. Yeah. Um but also because there's a warehouse management component um and with roller going through a software rollout um mm-hmm. a new warehouse management system which uh is a an ongoing to this day an ongoing global rollout mm-hmm. um and new zealand happened to be the pilot country for that warehouse management system rollout so mm-hmm. that implementation happened over the course of the last two years prior to me finishing up with Rolling. And so from a yeah, previous use of SAP and also previous implementation of WMS software, right. uh, it's a really good background that I've got the ability to bring in um, to understand the logic of WMS, understand the logic of SAP, um, mm-hmm. and marry those two up so that we get the back end set up right for the implementation. Um, one, one of the other um, parts of this transition is around procurement. And mm-hmm. at the moment, it's quite decentralized procurement. Um, we've got individual departments that are doing all of their own procurement uh, because it's the way that's always been. Um, you know, Calpine Trustman itself is actually quite an old company. You know, the, the business was started as a small local New Zealand company dealing commercial refrigeration, uh, eventually bought out by Hussman of Germany, um, as which was originally a supplier of product to McAlpine, uh, as it was then known, just McAlpine. Um, it then became McAlpine Hussman, uh, and a little bit further down the track, and more recently, um, all of this uh, purchased and acquired by Panasonic. So. Okay. Um, a lot of history um, and a lot of people in the business at the moment that have been around for 20, 30 years within McAlpine Husman, and a lot of a, a wealth of knowledge, an absolute mm-hmm. wealth of knowledge, um, a lot of experience both within the industry and within the company. Uh, and because they know their product better than anybody, uh, for a long time they've been doing the procurement of it and that makes sense to some degree. But it also means that perhaps um, the synergies aren't really there to streamline that activity and make that the most efficient operation that it can be. Right. And, so, and
1: how do you even how like I can imagine the more the company scales, the more that that starts to create problems in the silos. Like,
0: yes, exactly. So um, essentially, one of the one of the major work streams that I'm, I guess, charged with. Um, within the business and within this transition is to look at ways that we can bring all of that procurement into a centralized location Mm -hmm. and concept. Uh, Part of that is a communication right throughout the supply chain that includes local warehouse, international vendor, and local procurement, uh, including shipping management to make sure that we have everything coming in, not just at the right time, but with the right resources in place, with the right space available, and planning our outbound dates to match.
1: Fantastic. So let's talk a little bit, um, I guess, I, we've kind of touched on this a little bit uh, already, but the kind of the fact that um, McAlpine Husband has gone from being, McAlpine Husband owned by Panasonic has gone yeah. from being Macalpine to up these various kind of stages of growth and acquisition. Um, and you've mentioned already that it's kind of it's original and it's heart quite a conventional business that relies on a lot of kind of conventional wisdom and experience. Um, what are some of the, I guess, kind of the pain points that the company has been experiencing and some of the benefits that it can reap from having this supply chain transformation uh, sort of imposed upon it?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh- At the moment, some of the major pain points are space constraints within um, the main warehouse in Auckland, um, Mm. along with a couple of other smaller facilities around the country, um, but predominantly Auckland in terms of space constraints. Um, Part of that is simply hinged back to that decentralised procurement function where we've got um, different things happening within different divisions at the same time. Right. But not everybody knows about it at the same time. And so we've sure. got things that are arriving that are a surprise sometimes and, and other things that were planned can conflict with that. And so one of the one of the key things is uh, looking at scrap and obsolescence, first and mm. foremost. Okay. What is there that we have that we don't need to keep? Um, what is there that we do need to keep? And are we utilising our space that we have in the best way possible? Um, So far, uh, the reviews that I've gone through would suggest maybe we are not using or utilising our space that we have in the best possible way. Um, And so at the time that we (laughs) record this, um, there are discussions in place internally um, to look at ways of... Improving that utilisation of the current facility and making sure that we're maximising every bit of space that we have Um, But along with that to start engaging and Involving all of the different divisions to start understanding that we need to prepare contingency plans Sometimes Mm -hmm. uh, and because a lot of the work is project-based we're bringing in large volumes of, of product and inventory that's prepaid for a specific project and when it arrives we generally get told when it's going to leave again because of the project start date. And mm. a couple of times in life, you get a project that goes under, or you get a project that's significantly delayed for some reason, 6, 9, 12 months, or in one case, up to three years. Um, mm. But unless there's a, a background or back of mind contingency plan that's ready made um, to know what we should be doing as a business in those circumstances, um, we will continue to run into things like space constraints and so i guess it's a matter of the communication between supply chain and the business to understand what's the backup plan uh, and when do we need to actually implement and action that to avoid having space constraints in the future and coupled with that looking at the space we have how can we maximize the utilization of that through a combination of smart layout the right partnerships with the right companies and Mm -hmm. suppliers. Uh, and also the right technology to support the efficient uh, usage of that space, and that's where things like SAP warehouse management comes into play.
1: Right, of course, fantastic. Well, I think I think that gives us three very kind of good central like topics to kind of work through, and I guess we could kind of go through those uh, sort of uh, I guess kind of one by one as well. Um, oh, actually, quickly before we dive into that, um, yep. I have a question here the about the kind of uh, are there any? I know you kind of worked in kind of a bit in refrigeration and cold storage kind of throughout your entire career, but are there any elements of that particular industry that makes that supply chain very unique as opposed to, for example, if you're slinging beer and wine uh, across large amounts yeah. of area? But if you're if you're slinging fridges, essentially, like what are some of the constraints? Because I know there's volatile chemicals involved. They're big, heavy things. Like what what are some of the I guess unique challenges to that industry?
0: Yeah, look, there's a, there's a lot of unique challenges to the industry. Uh, it's quite a low stockhold in terms mm-hmm. of um, actual physical product. The size yeah. range is hugely variable. Um, yes, there are uh, issues potentially around things like refrigerant gas um, and products like that. Um, but probably the biggest issue is the breadth of the range of product. Uh, in some cases, yeah. we're talking spare parts that are you know 20 cubic centimetres. And then in other cases, we might be talking about a display case for a supermarket that's 4.1 metres wide, 2.2 metres tall, and, you know, eight or 900 millimetres deep and weighs a ton. So, oh, wow. and, and everything in between and anything in between. So, um, slinging beer on wine is, in theory, easy. And the thing is, within your FMCG supply, you've got a standard tie-high for every pallet that the industry dictates because they build all of their pallet racking to the same uh, vertical clear entry and right. so when you're talking about fmcg and every country is a little bit different about that tie high where they set their pallets to mm-hmm. uh, you can simply say there's x number of bottles of 750 mil wine and it's usually 672 bottles to a pallet a full pallet it's oh, a cool fact or fifty-six cases of twelve, right? Um, just for the mental mathematics. Uh, <laughs> uh, some of these numbers I remember. It's, it's a strange habit, but that's that's the way things work in my head. Um, uh, it's one of those
1: things where if it's if it's enough of a part of your daily life for enough time, like those numbers
0: are never shaking out. Like it's right. That's like, true.
1: It's, so true. Passwords, man. Like you're going to do great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Or um, I was watching uh, 8 out of 10 cats do Countdown before. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the
1: infinitely superior version of both 8 out of 10 cats and Countdown.
0: It's actually true, isn't it? Like it's the best amalgamation of both. Although I'd still take 8 out of 10 cats over normal Countdown.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that one of the major reasons why I left university the first time round was that I did spend most of my time watching 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown and eating pasta, rather than, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but enough about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've we done this.
1: Um, the
0: uh... <laughs> I've actually lost my train of thought now.
1: Uh, pallet sizing,
0: the fact oh, that it's... Oh, right. a Yeah, because right. oh, right. yeah. yeah. slinging booze, you go, right, there's 750ml bottles, or well, then there's the half size, 375 So there's just twice as many on a pallet yeah. in terms, and to fit the same height. Whereas when you look at a fridge or an aircon unit, because, you know, our, our business is doing uh, HVAC, refrigeration, um, as well as cool rooms um, from time to time and a variety of other bits and pieces in between. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's slinging booze is very, very easy when it comes to product dimensions because you can sell one case of wine, you can sell a whole pallet of wine, but the pallet's always at the same dimensions, generally speaking, within a few millimetres of another one. Whereas when you're looking at things, you could have a... A six foot refrigeration case a four foot and eight foot a 12 foot um, and that's just how wide they are then the the depth varies the height varies um there's ice machines serve over cases uh freezer troughs that can be 4.1 wide and 2.5 deep but only 900 tall Wild. so yeah the the product range is is monstrous uh this and because the low stock holding exists, um, particularly on the larger product, all of the refrigeration mm-hmm. is project or contract based. So new supermarkets getting constructed, we're supplying the display cases and, and the servo and, the, and the, the, the trough freezers that sit on the floor in the middle of the store. Um, but we don't just sit around with thousands of freezers sitting in, in a building waiting for that to happen because a lot of it's also customized. Right. That supermarket has a particular color shelf they want to use, a particular color bumper on the front for um, trolley protection and things like that. And so all of these things are done on a case by case basis. That can even happen to Mm -hmm. refurbishment. Um, We'll do the same thing. A store says, we want to upgrade all of our display cases um, and we want to do it while the store's open. So we want to (laughs) set. Of course. Yeah, of course. I mean, you don't want to stop trading, right? Um, And. And if you shut a supermarket down for two months in order to do that, then you'd lose so much money, you may as well shut the doors. Um, yeah. So then there's things like that, making sure that all of the shelves are the right colour as, as well as the right size. Uh, and that can't be done out of a stock model. Um, it, right, it, would, right. it would be far too expensive for a company like McAlpine Asman to be sitting around with a 100,000 square meter warehouse stacked full of all of these ludicrously expensive pieces that just wouldn't work. Um, And the (laughs) prices that we would have to charge our customers to not only sell them the product, but also to install, to service, maintain, and repair, um, would also just be prohibitive. So um, it's a very unique model in that regard, because we've got a combination of, obviously, the 40-foot and 20-foot containers arriving. Um, but they're often for projects. The, the actual stock holding is predominantly spare parts. Uh, and so we're talking about mm-hmm. high skew count, high line value, um, and very small bits and pieces in storage. And everything else is quite trans. We might have 20 refrigeration cases, display cases today. Uh, and those might be gone tomorrow and then in four days time we'll have a bunch of trough freezers um for a different product than a different supermarket so it's really about making sure that the versatility is there to manage a transient and ever-changing size and volume of cargo
1: right 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 right. and something that has yeah incredibly quick turnover as well yeah that's pretty cool I, th- I think that brings us pretty well to uh, the kind of the idea of smart layout as a solution to that that you've mentioned. Um, yeah, how how are you making sure that you can you can cope with these these pressures of having yeah 40, 50 gigantic fridges in one day that have got to be gone tomorrow, but in the meantime you've got three or four trough freezers coming in as well, and like it's it, it's it's challenging. I must admit. Well,
0: look, it is challenging um, coming into the business. One of the space constraints that was identified to me. Joining, um, and it's obviously also quite clear um, from a visual perspective. After having joined the company, is that there's quite a lot of product that's large and in storage, and we we may need it at some point in time, but we don't necessarily need it on our premises right now. And so, right. it's either about installing contingency plans around. And, and I've worked with a couple of our local divisional heads um, with delayed projects and we were able to remove some of that product from our warehouse because we knew how long it was going to be delayed for and we could go to the the project and say okay this is going to be six months away we don't need it here right now but we've got say 10 containers on the water that are going to be here in four weeks time and that project's kicking off two weeks later so we've got to be able to turn that around Uh, and it's situations like that where we look at what we have versus what's arriving and perhaps starting to do that for the first time in a while, where we start to create some some solid relationships and solid understanding within the business that we need to think differently, we need to do things a bit differently. And if it if it's long term storage, that's probably not somewhere that we need to be doing our own storage at the moment and at this point in time. We need right. to be thinking about creating alternative solutions so that we have space for our transient cover
1: for sure um actually while we're on that kind of that idea of of change management uh should we touch on the, the fact that obviously this is there's a lot of processed innovation going on here we'll get onto the tech in a minute but this is definitely very much like a big culture shift in uh in a very established business model how are you okay. how are you sort of i guess i guess yeah selling the company's culture on the idea of of these changes and how that they can how they can benefit the company. How are you How are you executing this change management from a, a leadership perspective?
0: It's a combined effort because we do have a change manager in place um, ah. to to oversee the, the bulk of the um, the total business change management and transformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from a supply chain specific perspective, I'm involving and engaging with everybody that I need to because I know that there's nothing worse than having some random newbie come in and go this is how we're doing thing now um and everyone's back up and they've been doing things the same way for 20 or 30 years that's not quite a problem um and quite frankly i've been around for five minutes these guys have been around for 20 or 30 years if there's anyone i need to learn from and leverage knowledge and, and experience it's these highly experienced and and very knowledgeable people. They know the product inside and out. They know the customers and the movements inside and out. And so by engaging their support and assistance in discussing the best potential future alternatives as well as highlighting the benefits of what the company is in, embarking on with this particularly uh, system change moving to an sap model moving to a very high transparency and high visibility software implementation they do gain some substantial future benefits and time savings out of it mm-hmm. uh any any level of automation and increase in visibility and transparency through a business by way of software automation uh is a great thing for efficiency and i think some of some of the people that we're working with um they simply haven't been exposed to it before and Mm -hmm. and that's okay you know it's it's just a matter of making sure that they understand no one's trying to replace anyone with robots it's it's not the year well, it's not the year 2020 that we were led to believe by the Jetsons that it was going to be. Because mm-hmm. um, I still want my flying car, and I wish I had it. But uh, or, or, or a robot made. That would also be useful. Either, either one. I mean, okay,
1: There's there's been a couple, actually. I was I was writing a piece a couple of weeks ago where I definitely went off on one about I want my robot made from the Jetsons. Yeah. And there are a couple of AI-powered, like, Personal assistance, which is as far as I can tell, someone's nailed an Alexa to a rumba, but it's a start. Oh, wow. man. start. <laughs> I would actually be quite tempted to do that just for the comic value. Uh, oh, be fantastic. I mean I mean the best thing is that people obviously put balloons and knives on Roombas and make them fight each other around the house. Like that's yeah. that's probably the most like
0: cyberpunk judge dread that I've ever encountered. Oh yeah, that that's amazing. I love it. Um, <laughs> the the only, the only thing I have seen in the last, oh, probably, it was about two years ago, I was at the Logging Mart um, Expo in Stuttgart. Uh-huh. Um, and there was a fully automated forklift. No way. Yes like, way. Like uh, a barcode scanner and camera behind the behind the forks. Uh um directly interfaced with um and we're not talking wires or rails or anything here this is full free roaming um, system guidance Um, and so each forklift is assigned to an area of the warehouse based on the Mm -hmm. warehouse management system with a direct interface um honestly i don't think i'll see one of these things in new zealand possibly even for the rest of my career because we're such a small country that it doesn't justify the investment but <laughs> I, I, it's, really cool. but it's this very hard to justify like, buying one of those with just yeah. but it's cool like yeah exactly. it's, it's only it's only five million to set up this system um you know <laughs> it's only three years gross profit um <laughs> <coughs> So, but it's amazing because once once these pallets have been labelled, also through an automated labelling machine, so they're always in the same position every time, um, mm-hmm. this forklift can simply drive over all by itself, scan a pallet, um, and then the system tells it what location to go and put it away into, and it just does it for you. No driver.
1: Amazing.
0: And there is a manual override, so you can use that same forklift Either through full automation or through manual operation, which is also great because in a lot of cases the automated machinery is not then also usable in a manual capacity; it's limited.
1: Right, right, and that just makes the whole thing inflexible for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I, love, I love those developments because I mean, I'm 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 absolutely uh, ambivalent about it because, like, on the one hand, that's the coolest stuff I've ever seen—like self-driving forklift, fantastic free roaming it's not constrained by anything and on the other hand i'm like it's free roaming it's not constrained by anything if we got to shut this down like right now obviously like, yeah, it's going to run I, me I've, over i've seen movies like
0: yeah yeah the, the rise of the robots uh interestingly mm. enough also set up with automated slowdown and stop functions if a, if a person approaches it or if it approaches a person that's
1: i mean i i would hope you know yeah
0: I mean, if it finds a way of overriding them all by itself and just starts running down um, all of the management team in a warehouse when they do a walkthrough, then we're in trouble. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's amazing technology. And the thing is, stuff like this is happening every single day. People are inventing these fantastic new pieces of amazing technology, artificial intelligence. Um, and I, I find the term artificial intelligence quite hard because people always think about it mm-hmm. in terms of, um you know iron man and all of his like moving stuff around the screen and and um the the virtual butler that can literally do anything and has a mind of its own and that's really not the only way that artificial intelligence operates at least in my opinion um ai is anything that can automate a process or or think ahead of us to some degree after a very clever person's created it because technology is only as smart as the information you give it uh, yeah. at least for the moment so when we talk about our business even and one of the things it's it's not a panasonic or a mcalpine husband product directly but uh shelf labels and geolocating um security cameras throughout a supermarket that yeah, can that, automate yeah. the shelf stock out levels fantastic Um, And that's something that we're quite hot on at the moment is, you know, a combination of magnetic and digital um, shelf labels that can simply be picked up and moved around, um, Mm -hmm. combining that with those geolocating security cameras. And it can automate things to a point where it can literally just send a replenishment order to one of the store staff scanners in that exact department to say these products in these quantities need to be put on these shelves and take them through the most optimized route to actually put those away back and stock up the shelf. Brilliant. Um, and I mean, that takes things a step further. Like you've seen the milk um, things where they just have single shelf that points towards the customer and they backfill everything. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's great. Um, but you can't have a, a backfill shelf for absolutely everything because it's actually wastes a lot of space because you need right. to have like a human tunnel behind the shelf in order to backfill it mm-hmm. um, and so then people start talking about better space utilization and that's where innovations like this come in and, and to me that is artificial intelligence we're using something that doesn't require human input to send a human a message to tell them what needs to be done it's almost idiot proof not quite but almost
1: it's, I mean, you know, like give. I I will always trust someone to be able to manage to, uh, you know, to cock that up. But uh, but that is very, very, very cool.
0: Absolutely agree. That's that's wonderful. Is
1: that um that's Vusion, right? That's the uh, the thing you sent me a couple of videos about.
0: Correct. Yeah, it is. Um, so as I say, it's not a it's not a Panasonic owned um, product. Um, we we are there is a global agency for it, not necessarily exclusive, but um, it's one of the things that we're certainly working with a lot of our customers on throughout the um, Husband Husband Global and the Carbine Husband New Zealand business is to really start to help to upskill our customers because at the end of the day, a supermarket is the final mile of the supply chain for us. Mm -hmm. We're we're providing the supermarket with the raw materials and and the display cases in order to store their product, and they're putting their product on that shelf and then selling it to the customer. And so the supply chain doesn't just stop when we give them a display case. We're giving them the ability to further... Enhance their own supply chain in the process by then making their route to customer that much more efficient.
1: That's that's brilliant. Um, Yeah, while we're on technology, I guess let's shall we talk a little bit more about the um, I guess the uh, the tech, some of the examples of the way that analytics, AI, obviously SAP uh, being kind of a a really good kind of cloud platform to support the uh, the operations you're doing in your supply chain. Yeah, let's talk about the kind of the new tech. i the new kind of yeah wave and generation of new technology that you're introducing or helping introduce to McAlpine husband supply chain
0: absolutely so um sap in, in all of its formats the erp the mrp the inventory management and the warehouse management software mm-hmm. they're obviously all interlinked um, and also directly connected and interfaced with sales, salesforce um, which is essentially for us operating in a number of capacities predominantly crm um, right. style capacity for our technicians who are out on the road. Um, they have a, a breakdown fix that they need to get a part for. They look up the part or place an order direct from their phone. They can collect it from a local wholesaler. They can collect it from our central warehouse in Auckland. Um, if we have that part available in the warehouse, um, they can add every single thing, time, um consumables travel everything that they need to do um for every different type of thing they can do from a phone a tablet a laptop um there's there's no real restriction on device type Mm -hmm. Um, and because that links directly with everything and interfaces with uh the main sap system uh everything there is interconnected within multiple different softwares to update all the same information simultaneously. So if they place an order against a part within our warehouse that's in inventory and in the warehouse management system, all of that stuff is updated on the way through at, in real time. Uh, and so we don't have to worry if somebody comes in because we operate a 24-7 repair and breakdown service model as mm-hmm. part of our business, and service is a huge part of the business for McAlpine Hustman uh, in New Zealand. Right, right. Um, and so we're technicians that might come into our warehouse at 3 o'clock in the morning and need a part. Um, at the moment, they have to write it down on paper what they've taken, how many, And then somebody else needs to pick up that book in the morning and say Mm -hmm. right i need to go and punch this into the system to actually get it out of stock yeah and that's just because the legacy system is not at the same level as what we're moving to and the transition to sap is light years ahead of where the company's systems have been Um, it allows for real-time transfer of all information It allows for technicians to go, hey, my buddy's got part that I need in his van. I meet up with him. I scan the product and I scan his van. Then I scan my van and it's transferred the stock to me. And I can now go and use it on a job and sell it to a customer without having to fill out a million forms and uh, all of this other stuff. Um, So the the flexibility and the agility in terms of our entire service team as well as our back-end supply chain and warehouse operators within our business just have all of this i guess transparency yeah. visibility and real time update with absolutely every part of the supply chain and this also i guess links in with vendor management for overseas transactions as well as local uh, we have domestic suppliers as well as um, mm-hmm. foreign And so we start linking in CRM with SAP, ERP, and General Ledger, then the supply chain and warehouse management system, the vendor management, the transport interfaces for domestic. uh, And we really start to build a culture where we not only rely on but fully utilize the technology that's available to us today. Uh, We start to make sure that we are connected to all our suppliers as well as our customers. Um, I don't know if you saw in some of the information I sent that we are a member of GS1 New Zealand um, and GS1 is yes. you know one of the global standards along with SSCC um, barcoding and, and several other industry standards and so through that and our local supermarket um, customers that we deal with in New Zealand are also um, very heavily in the GS1 space so by and large we want to make sure that every part of our business is connected interlinked and using the absolute latest of the technology that's available to us Uh, it won't all happen at once i think um mrp (laughs) inventory management and wms plus crm is enough of a implementation to do in one year (laughs) but uh, at the same time um we do know as a business, uh, that there's quite a large number of other things that are available to us in the tech space, and um, Mm -hmm. one of the things that we're employing as part of that SAP implementation is BI reporting. Um, Of course. It's a relative standard to go along with SAP, um, standard reporting as well as user customization, Um, But there's future things that we know we can look into. Um, we can make sure that there's direct interfaces between our customers and our suppliers. Essentially mean that, you know, signing bits of paper and writing things down will become a thing of the past. And
1: from from someone who has done ordering and delivery and stuff for very small businesses before, I can collect I'm sure we can all collectively say, Thank God
0: yeah like just you know look at your scanner in your hand see it pop up and say go here and get two of these um and then it just sends you to the next place and and off you go uh it also means that we are minimizing if not eliminating training time if we bring a temporary staff member into our business for a, a seasonal uh workload increase we don't need to mm-hmm. put them through a week's worth of training before they can pick up a piece of paper and, and go retrieve products for an outbound order. We just say, right. here's your scanner. Um, it'll tell you what to do <laughs> to a point. Perfect. It's not quite that simple, <laughs> but, but close enough that um, yeah. it foolproofs the training process by having things linked and, and automated to such a high degree.
1: Fantastic. Uh, all right, cool. A couple of, I guess, kind of like follow-on things from there as well. Um First things first. Let's let's talk a little bit. You mentioned it before about your kind of your partner and vendor ecosystem. I was wondering if you could uh, touch a little bit on the ways in which your partnership ecosystem is helping you uh, to kind of like execute on this transformation. Um, I believe in my notes that yeah, no, you're working with uh, with Refspecs uh, and a couple of other companies as well. Um, yeah, I was wondering if you could touch on those relationships and the sort of uh, McAlpine Husman's general relationship to those ecosystem partners?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, RefSpecs in particular being one of our local suppliers, we've been working with them, uh, I understand, being new to the business um, for around 10 years now. So one of of the things that's highly valuable within our partnerships and our um, partner ecosystems is, is quality relationships. It's something that the company was founded on, Mm -hmm. the company continues to hold high on their values list now is to create foster and maintain high quality relationships with all of our partners customers and suppliers alike um and and businesses Mm -hmm. like respect are really a huge asset to our business in terms of allowing us to do what we do for our customers because They're not a huge global corporate. They are a a wonderful New Zealand locally owned and operated business. They're not far away. They're agile. They have a quick response time. They're very supportive of our business. um, And we like to make sure we continue to support theirs among all of the other suppliers that we deal with. And when it comes down to it, the relationship is key. The rest of our ecosystem can be assisted through you know, Husman as a as a global entity, Panasonic as a parent company entity, and we certainly have strong relationships within the group, uh, and some of that can be leveraged on an international scale. Where we're doing a lot of, um, as you can probably imagine, under the current climate, a lot of conference calls within the business. Right. Um, yeah, and and we're using a lot of uh, cloud technology, even even prior to the whole lockdown and and coronavirus pandemic, we were using a lot of cloud software. We're interacting with um, Hussman, Oceania, with Panasonic, Asia Pacific, uh, all through a single file that is editable by potentially 50 different people. And we have a single source of information that is ever-changing, but we don't have to save it and email it to a hundred different people every time something gets edited because mm-hmm. we've got all this wonderful cloud ability to simply log in, edit what you need, it auto-saves while you're there, and then the next person logs in and everything's updated for them. Um, Along with that, of course, all of the conversations that happen in real time um, that we're all having now, um, yeah. including you and I right now, of course, and, and this isn't new technology, but it's something that needs to be leveraged for communication in particularly troubling times like we're in at the moment with a lot of segregation and, and remote work. Uh, it does also mean that we can reach out in real time to a lot of our partners within our own group and, and locally within New Zealand to say, what can we do to help you or, or how can you help us? And some of that might be co-loading at Origin if we have Panasonic and Hussman requirements in New Zealand. Um, we can share services to some degree. Uh, we have those relationships there.
1: Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, yeah, no, that's that's really cool. Uh, all right, cool. I think that brings me to what is basically kind of my, my last Big question uh, before I do the thing where I turn it over and go, now what have I missed? But before we do that, um, so obviously I, I think this was, I was actually talking to the head of digital transformation at Dell last year wow. and I, I must admit I was having a ever so slightly home over morning and I had not been given coffee yet. It was really early. Um, and I sort of asked, honestly, maybe a little bit pettily. Um, so when's digital transformation going to be over? When it, when are we going to be done? When's when's it all get to end? And she she was very gracious and very polite and uh, obviously gave, gave explained the uh, the answer that everyone really knows, which is like it's a never ending process. Um, yeah. So what to, what I wanted to ask you is that given that digital transformation is a process and you your uh, I guess tenure at McAlpine husband. Hussman, um, is, is uh, I suppose, by nature going to be finite. Um, what are the uh, qualities and capabilities you're looking to put into its supply chain that mean that it can continue to grow and evolve and be digitally capable and agile going forward, even when you're not there to, to oversee it?
0: I, I would like to be able to instill a culture by way of proof. Uh, And I say Mm -hmm. because, you know, I need to be able to show the business from a supply chain perspective specifically that a lot of what we're doing and once the transformation has happened, we've implemented our fabulous new software and to be able to see all of the benefits start to come to fruition to then instill a culture in people that says, we want more of this. Continuous improvement is valid. It has right. a place in our business and we want more. We can see the benefits of what we've done. What else can we do? Are there other softwares? Are there other interfaces that we can have with people or um, or customers or suppliers that will further enhance what we do and how we do it? And I think every journey starts with a single step. Clichés uh, exist for a reason, um, and... <laughs> it's, it's very true, um, you know, that first step where we go, right, we've bitten the bottle, we're implementing this software, we know that it has some fantastic benefits once we start using it, but we won't be able to show the business as a whole how good that is until it happens. We can preach about it for the next few months and we can say a few Hail Mary's and Hallelujah's all the the way, but mm. until they see it in action and see the benefits that they can reap and, and the rewards that they can get out of this, um, mm-hmm. that's when true transformation and transition starts to take place. Then they start to get hungry for how much more of this can we bring into our business? How much mm-hmm. better could we be operating if we found something else that we can add on or, or bring in that may change things? Um and I think that's really what I'd like to to hope that I can leave behind at the end of my tenure, is to say, this business truly understands and embraces continuous improvement, the digital space and what software and technology and artificial intelligence for all intents and purposes can do for us. Um, right. And we want more. Fantastic. That's awesome.
1: Um Wonderful. which That's actually a very good line that I'm probably going to steal for the closing quote. Um, wonderful. Uh, I guess to be honest, the last thing I've got to ask really before uh, before I'm sure we can wrap this up is: um, Are there any other remaining goals um, and sort of timeline elements you have as part of this transformation and implementation that you uh, feel like you'd like to touch on some more? And also, uh, yeah, if there's if there's anything else you think our readers would kind of uh, would enjoy or benefit he- uh, from hearing about
0: absolutely the the things that i have left to do um they're quite a few um Mm -hmm. there's there's a four work stream or a four pillar work stream that i am running with as part of my overall project um there's procurement there is warehouse there is sap and and general software implementation um, and there's there's people and culture and as we've touched on before, there's a bit of change management involved. The people and culture side of things um, requires leadership that's empathetic and understanding. Um, it requires involving and engaging people that are on the shop floor because, quite frankly, they've mm-hmm. got the best knowledge of how any warehouse operates, and right, generally, they've also got some of the best ideas of how to fix what's wrong. Um, yeah, and they'll. And yeah, day in, day out. Um, so those are the ones that need to be listened to and and involved in decision-making processes. So by involving them, by listening to them and making sure that they are not just on board but helping to steer the ship mm. that we're on, um, that's where the people and culture things comes into play as much as simply explaining the new system. Um, it's just a matter of making sure that all the right ideas come on board. Mm-hmm. Um, alongside of that, the warehouse itself—we've talked already about space constraints and, and obsolescence, and, and some of these other relatively um, standard principles in supply chain. And so, those those are ongoing for the moment, mm-hmm. uh, at least as we as we speak now. Um, SAP, the implementation is a lengthy process. It's a very big effort. Uh, there's a lot of data to be cleansed. There's a lot of data to be obtained um, and make sure that when we do upload everything into SAP that it is complete and accurate. Um, and that's that's an ongoing process as we speak. Go live, we're looking at, uh, I believe, first week of October this year. Oh, well, it's creeping up it is yep, quite rapidly um but uh, there's a lot of very very talented people that are working on that in the background in terms of business analysts and um various other parts of the business around quality just to make sure that we're doing sanitary checks on our data at least twice mm-hmm. two test uploads um in that space prior to go live so we've got a lot of behind the scenes work that's going to happen to make sure it is a success Um, Mm -hmm. and then procurement, uh, centralization to try and bring that, um, part of the business into a, into a sphere that starts to not only make some sense, but starts to have a lot more visibility within itself as well as to the rest of the business. Um, and so my, my existing contract with the business is finishing up at the end of February, 2021, um and there's a few milestones to reach in between now and then um the, probably the biggest of those being the uh the software implementation project right
1: fantastic well that's i mean big goals big things to accomplish but it sounds like you guys have implemented a lot of stuff really uh, really cleverly already and it sounds like you've got a good network of partners around you and good people internally yeah no i well i per, personally i wish you the best
0: of luck like Thank you very much. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks again for talking to me, and I hope you have a, uh, a real good weekend. I uh, hope the cows do well. I uh, hope your wife does well. I hope your daughter is is doing excellent health. Uh, yeah, hope, uh, hope it's all well with you, and, uh, yeah, you should have a draft from me uh, next week, I reckon.
0: Brilliant. Thanks very much. Great talking to you.
1: All right. It's so really nice talking to you too. Uh, yeah, have a good day, man. You too. See ya.